countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All celebrity voices are poorly impersonated. Hey Stan! It's me, Jack Kirby, and uh, I spent all weekend just drawing some phenomenal artwork in my basement. And I wanted to bring it in today so you could take a look at it. You know, you gave me this premise about the Fantastic Four meeting God. And, well, I came up with the guy that has purple antlers and this other dude. He's on a surfboard. I, I don't know. At least he's not on skis, right? What do you think, Stan? Uh, you know, I don't really care. Just make sure Ben Grimm cries in one of the panels. They love that stuff. Stan, it's me, Steve Ditko. Here are my pages. Don't talk to me. I'm going home. Thanks, I really appreciate it. Okay, goodbye now. All right, let's make sure we credit somebody else for the rest of the, for about 50 years. Stan, Stan, it's, it's Larry Lieber. Can I do another Thor issue? Listen, this is the last time I'm going to tell you this. I want to see six months worth of Spider-Man comic strips on my desk by Thursday. Go home, leave me alone. Tell mom I said hi, I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> Comic Shop, and I'm the host of the most, Amy Larson, and I'm joined by my wonderful group of Marvelites and comic book aficionados. We've got the amazing Chad Smith, we've got the mighty J.A. Scott, and we've got the fantastic Mikey Wood for the finale of our Marvel Month. All this month we've been doing Marvel books on The Last Comic Shop, and today we're finally going to talk about probably... The most important person to ever work at Marvel, Marie Seven. That's true. She did a lot. But I'm whether you like him or whether you don't like him, we're talking about Stan Lee to open up our show. And it is because we're going to be reviewing a Stan Lee Marvel book. It's J.A.'s pick. And he decided to go back to his favorite, Silver Surfer, and do Parable, which is written by Stan Lee with art by Mobius. And we'll get to that in just a second. But before we begin, we wanted to talk about Stan Lee. I think before I knew anybody in comic books, I knew who Stan Lee was. Primarily because, if you remember... Being a child of the 80s, he was actually the guy that introduced Spider-Man and his amazing friends and the Incredible Hulk cartoon shows. He would like to so, hi, I'm Stan Lee. Here's the premise for today's cartoon show. And that stuck with me so much that I thought the guy's name was Stan Lee. And I was just like, who's the Stan Lee guy? Does he have a last name? That's ironic because originally he was Stan Lee before he was Stan Lee. He was Stan Lee Lieber. That's right. And I thought he did write all of the Marvel comic books ever, which is, again, why Jack Kirby left. So, <laughs> But I wanted to get everybody else's take on what they think of Stan Lee from a writing perspective, from an artistic perspective, from an overall influence perspective. And we'll start off with J.A. Yeah, I think it can't be said enough how much influence he had on the entire industry, and especially for people who have come to comic books lately or know Stanley primarily as a cameo appearance in, in the MCU to really understand how much of a titan of the industry he was and how much influence he had in really building up and propelling Marvel and comic books in general to where they are today. I think, you know... If there's a Mount Rushmore of comic books, he's the George Washington 
to Jack Kirby's Abraham Lincoln, I don't know who would be Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Maybe John Bushima. <laughs> I'd say Carmen Infantino, to be honest. But So, yeah, for, for me... I always get real defensive about Stan Lee because everybody knows that Stan Lee is a liar. For years, Stan Lee took the majority of the credit for uh, you know those Marvel works that uh, there were a lot of other people that did a lot of work that he took credit for, and people seem to hold a grudge about this this thing. But for me, uh, you don't have Marvel if you don't have Stan Lee, and there's something about Stan Lee as a writer, as an editor as a carnival barker that elevated all of the the artists that he worked with and you go back to the marvel method which because he was balancing so many books in the early days of marvel he would basically sit down with his artists and say here's the general plot you go make the book i'll fill it in later and he let creative people be creative and we ended up getting the best possible work as a result of it I don't know. I, I think of Stanley a little bit like Loki sometimes, where you know he had his faults. He wasn't a perfect human being. He might have been a little bit tricky, but at the same time, without him, things just aren't as good. I, I want to get to Mikey Woods' impression of Stanley just simply because he is a DC guy. He doesn't put on the rose-colored glasses as much as some of us do. Sometimes I get licked up and I prank phone call Mort Weisinger at his vacation home. <laughs> Mort Weisinger was the DC editor-in-chief for a while. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, you know what, what Chad said was very accurate. I mean, there, there really is a reason that he was known for what he was known for. He brought in a new sort of vibe to comics that they were missing at the time in the 60s when Marvel kind of exploded onto the thing. And and he was a showman, and he, and he was a showman until, you know, until he died. Like, the guy, the guy was always trying something, you know. He had shady business practices, and that's really crappy, and he had feuds uh, over credit rights and things like that, and that's really... But unfortunately, it's kind of one of those things where that's life in the big city, you know, that's kind of how businesses are. And it's not like Mort Weisinger from DC wasn't a jackass also, uh, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I've personally never liked his writing in so much as the bombastic sort of like alliteration that he always used. The characters talk to each other so much during the fight scenes. Artists wanted to draw action stuff, but Stan wanted to tell stories. So they would have to do all that exposition while they were beating each other in the mouth. But it worked. It worked for 30, 40 years, that method. How prolific the guy was. Well, like, he wrote so much. Every early Marvel thing you can think of, and it it's to be respected. Well, I think it's it seems like time and time again, if you pay attention, when something goes from kind of being a niche to something that's mega popular and huge, there's usually some sort of showman or dynamic personality that cannot be avoided. Like, it just comes at you like a freight train. Like, you think about the WWE, and you think about Vince McMahon, you think about Apple and Steve Jobs, you think about Stan Lee and Marvel Comics. It is his almost unstoppable juggernaut-like will that keeps pushing Marvel forward. No, 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 you will read our books, and you will enjoy them. Or my name's not Stan Lee. You have to have a personality like that. You know, they talk a lot about Jack Kirby and his influence and Steve Ditko and his influence. These guys, they, they were good personalities, but they weren't like these larger than life people. There's going to have to be somebody that's going to have to be out there in front of the public, whether that's to shoot arrows at or get the praise for. 
somebody's going to have to be out there. Well, I think too, it's like a band, you know, you need all the pieces in the band and you can't take out the bass player and still make songs that are just as good. For me, I always get hung up on the people that are, you know, they're very against Stan and his contributions and, you know, they, they discredit a lot of what he's done. Did he take more credit than he probably deserved? Sure. But at the same time, none of that happens without Stan. Yeah. Well, it's it's like the Doors had two albums after Jim Morrison died. Does anybody know that the Doors had two albums after Jim Morrison died? No. Maybe. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but but like like the whole point is is that when you don't have your Lizard King standing in front of the microphone making the girls scream, you know, you, you're just a couple of guys who want to play blues. <laughs> So Stan Lee was was their front man and he was the you know for good or for ill he was the guy that like kind of single-handedly in the 60s convinced people that comics were kind of good to read when they were dying out. You know, he 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 brought that joy back because you know as much as I love DC I just it was children's books, you know, he made it, yeah. yeah. I think you can't underestimate and and belittle how relevant he made comic books in the 60s. Because they weren't. And he took, you know, what people wanted to read at that time, what teenagers wanted to read, and he channeled that. And he channeled that into the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and Thor and Spider-Man. Well, and that's and, the big lie on that was, you know, he was tired of working for his uncle and was ready to quit. He gave him, you know, wanted him to do this team book. And his wife's like, why don't you just do the book you want to read yourself? And that begat the Fantastic Four. And so it wasn't just that he was writing for college kids or whatever. He was writing for himself. They were making things that would, you know, entertain, you know, people of all ages. Right. But in, in my experience, like like being from a DC point of view, the closest thing in in in, in my wheel well that I can compare to Stanley is like Jeanette Kahn. When Jeanette Kahn took over DC in the in the eighties, mm-hmm. that groundbreaking stuff that's like alan moore swamp thing and hellblazer and and then v for vendetta and later on and, i mean watchmen before i mean that was groundbreaking for the time and stan did the same thing in a different manner 20 years earlier you know joe quesada coming in in like the 90s kicked that into gear a little bit then so so you're right there's always somebody that that has to be the cheerleader and has to convince people why comics are a viable resource and in order to do that at the time you needed this carnival barker car salesman guy and and he was great at it and and there's a reason why that he has cameos in all the mcmu movies like even from those early days stanley always has his sights far beyond just comic books he said like these characters are going to be in tv shows they're going to be in movies they're going to be all over the place everybody that doesn't even read a comic book is going to know who spider-man is is not going to know who captain america is is going to know who iron man is for god's sakes the fact that we talk about nowadays iron man yeah, that's just because Marvel didn't have rights to the Fantastic Four, the X Men at that time. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, and, and they did hit a home run with Robert Downey Jr. But at the same time, it's Stan Lee continually pushing and being like, "Oh, you, you see these uh, DC comic books? What if we put some of these Marvel comic books right in front of them? You know what I mean? Hey, look at these comic books. They're a little bit better. They're they're for you. You know, I'm Stan Lee, Excelsior. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. wonderful stuff. You have to have that guy. I mean, I'm the host with the most here at the land. I feel like Stan Lee sometimes. I won't lie. 
I, that's the way I feel. Like, I'm always plugging this show. And that's... You look like Stanley. Before or after the hairpiece. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Right. Well, regardless, we've got some fantastic Stan Lee comics to cover on today's program. We're going to be reviewing Parable uh, by Stan Lee and the terrific artist Mobius. And that's going to be coming up right after these messages. So stay tuned. Andy, it looks just like your real hair. I- yeah, I'm impressed. Everybody. Hey, I'm Ashley. And I'm Maggie. We're from Rock Candy Podcast. Kind of like behind the music, except unauthorized and drunk. But come along every week and listen to us talk about artists or albums that you may know really well or may have never heard of while we're drinking beers. Witty things to talk about. Great hot takes with some hot babes. <laughs> That's subjective, but okay. <laughs> so go find us on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and wherever you catch your pods. And with that, party party on, kids! Well, that sounded forced. Is it not? Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Pile Review. As we said, we're covering Marvel books all this month, and thus far, you've got Chad's pick, which was Strange Academy. You got my pick, which was Heroes Reborn, and it is now time for J.A.'s pick. So there's no room for my pick as your favorite guest? You know what? When we have a DC month, you can pick all no, the because we don't know any of those. I pick a Marvel I know exactly which Marvel book it would be. Rawhide Kid Slap Leather. Alright, alright. Let's slap some leather on this parable, J.A. First and foremost, who did it? Ten cent synopsis. Why did you pick it? I guess of all the Silver Server books out there. Yeah, I guess I chose it because it's a nice self-contained story. Some of the best Silver Surfer runs can be quite long, so it's hard to find a decent story that's short enough to talk about and approachable. It was put out under Marvel's Epic Comics label, so it can exist as its own thing, uh, and that's one of the aspects of the story that i really like it stands alone you don't need to know a lot of other characters uh you don't even need to know who the silver surfer and galactus are so much they very much act as secondary characters for a lot of the story while it's about the silver surfer it's also more about us and humans Uh, it was done by stanley and mobius as the artist and uh you know we we talk at length about the beauty of Mobius. Now, he is uh, the French artist, Jean Giraud. You know, he worked on Alien. He worked on Fifth Element. He's worked on uh, Panzer Dragoon. I mean, he was first slated to be working on one the original Dune movie that never was made. Yes, on a Jaronski. Oh, man, that's a great documentary if you've never seen it. So, in this two-issue story called Parable... Galactus returns to Earth because he's, and this is the one issue I have with the whole thing, is that 
I don't get why Galactus returns to Earth. Like, just to piss everybody off. So he returns to Earth. He can't eat Earth because he's made the promise that he won't eat Earth. But he wants to destroy Earth because he's angry that he couldn't eat Earth. Humanity starts worshipping him as a god and destroying themselves. And there is a preacher who goes on the all-time preacher hour basically saying we should all believe in Galactus is God and, and whatever Galactus says is the truth and Silver Surfer is trying to fight this. What I also like about it is for the entire first issue Silver Surfer never even reveals himself till the last panel. He's just walking around as a bum and his surfboard's <laughs> wrapped up in newspapers. Oh, is that, the, is that an ironing board? What is that? <laughs> Well, I think I think you actually mentioned the reason why Galactus showed up on Earth is kind of I, I wish they would have kind of said this, but I think the idea is that he oh yeah, no, no, I promise I wasn't gonna lay a finger on humans, but yeah, I don't have to. They're gonna do it themselves. Right. You know, he's hungry and the yeah. deal is he's not gonna he's not gonna destroy Earth, but if Earth destroys Earth, then eh, then he can eat it. Nothing I can do about that, you know. What a jerk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go on the record now saying this is in my experience, which is rather somewhat limited. This is the best thing Stan Lee's ever written. Ever. Like, really? It's hard to disagree with that. I mean, uh, it is one of the best things that Stan Lee's ever written. Although I will say that anytime Stan Lee has an opportunity to write Silver Surfer, he's really good. This is like restrained and nuanced and every so often it falls into that you know stanley you know i know not what i hear or whatever you know but it's not that bombasticy kind of showmany kind of thing that he's known for and 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 it's really it's almost low-key it's it's a little bit more mature yes that's the word and, and this was, as I mentioned, you know, put out under the epic comics. They were meant to be more mature. They were targeting an older reader. So that computes. And I do agree that the writing is nicely restrained. It, it, it And it looks at human frailty and, and where we are always looking for someone to help to, to lead us. You know, the strong man or, or the, the idea that um, if someone tells us to do something then we're not at fault if that thing is bad because they told us to do it yeah. right it's oddly timely for right now as well i'm not i don't know if that says that not much has changed since when it was written or anything like that but it's it's kind of almost prophetic it almost it's it's because it deals with religion in a while and sort of like hero worship and false gods and and that idea that um all you need is a big you know I guess a big personality and people will follow you. Cause if you think about, it, I mean, you know, Galactus is a big personality, you know, he's also a big person flies down in that giant wang. And then, it goes <laughs> into- and what I love is, you know, everyone always looks at silver surfer. He's this big, powerful being, but he's the ultimate underdog, right? He's like, I don't know if I have enough power to stop him, but there can be, but one ultimate shame, the cowardice of not having tried. Yeah, that's right. Even if you're going to fail. And that's why yeah. I want to go on record. I, I think you could definitely credit this, at least in my mind, as one of Stanley's last greatest works. But man, there's very few things in this world that I think top the final chapter with Spider-Man. With the, and I know Steve Ditko and the but the weight and all that, like Stanley's words in there. 
And, oh, there's so many other great Stanley stories. But yeah, no, this is great. And I, I, I do think it's timeless, as Mikey was alluding to, because so much of it is human nature. So yeah. much of it is our, our frailties and our, our willingness to glom on to people that we think can send us in one direction or another direction. And you get similar echoes, albeit in a more mature manner, to that uh, the final chapter story of Spider-Man from, was it issue 33 or 36? But um, where it, it is about trying, it is about no matter what the weight is, uh, doing what you can. And that's that's where success lies. And this it, is like a continuation of the great work, as I was mentioning before, that Stan Lee did on the Silver Surfer run in the late 60s with John Bushima. If you read any of that stuff, like whether or not it's like, you know, Silver Surfer going toe to toe with Memphisto, there's another great issue where uh, at the time, you know, it, you know, with everything that was going on with the civil rights, a African-American guy basically saves the world and goes uncredited for doing that. So that series was ahead of its time. Uh, but it, it kind of plays into this whole notion that like Stan Lee's the best when he can write silver surfer to be Jesus. And so, so I hate to say it, but that's what he is in this book. Like he's like, they not know what they do. And I, I will be the one to stand up in front of everyone and take the weight upon my shoulders and be the sacrificial lamb for all. And it's like, it's heavy handed and you can see where it's coming from, but at the same time, it works. It's a parable. I mean, that's the title. It's, it is a parable. It's written like a parable. It's written, it's written. I do understand that Lee was sort of maybe not a religious man, but he was kind of, he had a faith kind of background to it. And that shows that the, the middle section of this could have easily just sort of collapsed into basically a Godzilla movie with, you know, because Galactus just starts stomping around the city trying to chase that. But, but it doesn't because of the dialogue and what's going on at the time and, and things like that. It still stays. But it, what's funny is like you see how quickly they turn on him. Silver Surfer saves all their lives. And then I guess on purpose, I guess he sort of becomes the hero that they need, not the hero that they want sort of thing. Oh. And and they all turn on him just as easily as they did anything else. It shows how fickle human beings are as far as the gods that they follow and things. It's it's just it's a deep two issues. Like And, and, and what I love is the, you know, the, the, the only one who sees through sort of what Surfer's trying to do at the end where I've got to, you know, make them turn on me so that they don't think of me as a god is the preacher who who was instrumental in building up galactus and he goes no don't leave us stay here mankind is mad and you're our only hope you know we can't be trusted but it's the preacher who originally was the one instrumental in, in creating this this madness is the only one who sees the truth right well he knows the playbook you know mm -hmm. if you're somebody whose job it is to manipulate others into doing what you want he sees what the surfer is doing, and that's that's game recognizing game right there. Oh yeah. yeah. The last couple panels, like you know, you could have been a god, and you threw it away, and just for us. And the tragedy is that we don't deserve it. Oh, that's great writing. Yeah. That's Stan Lee at his best, and it's it's what makes it is it's so restrained. You know, it's it's not the they know not what they do. I but sometimes he would be almost too bombastic in the original run, the Bushima run. I felt, and it's and what he nails it this time because like it's like a fine wine it's it's been allowed to sit in age oh. 
Well, I will say, too, that uh, to Chad's point about game, recognizing game, I think that sometimes Stan Lee writes to his artists. And I feel like at times when Stan Lee is paired with an artist such as Mobius, such as even when, you know, why his stuff with Jack Kirby is so well, when there's somebody that like kind of can meet the creative energy that Stan Lee is capable of producing when Stan Lee is on his game. Like it's almost like Stan Lee rises to the occasion. Like in this particular book, he's like, oh my gosh, I really respect the heck out of Mobius. Like I loved his blueberry stuff. I love his art. I'm going to elevate my game to meet kind of that that visualization uh, that Mobius is going to be able to produce for me. And so I think that's why you get a, a Stan Lee in this book that is different than maybe the Stan Lee that you got in Ravage. I don't know. I'm not saying anything about the artist in Ravage, but it's not any Mobius, to be honest. There was a little while there, and I joke about it, where I'm like, I... I I read this book and I'm like, there's no way Stanley wrote this book, but I, I don't really feel that way. But I do feel like I don't think he wrote it in the quote unquote Marvel style. It just doesn't seem that way. Oh, and, Mikey, you didn't read the backup material. No, he gave him a plot and it caused Mobius much stress because he was not used to working that way. No, this is Marvel method, buddy. Was it really? That's really impressive because it just doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. That's the beauty of the Marvel method is you give these creative people enough space to be creative and you get this story that's so uh, elegant and so sad. And we talked about humanity not deserving the Silver Surfer and Surfer talks about Galactus not deserving his power and, you know, true divinity is love and grace and knowledge supreme and yet with all your power you, you don't know the wherefore of life and there's all this stuff going on but it's all because of this wonderful collaboration you know comics is an industry or, or should honor stand more for that collaborative uh what's the word i'm looking for that impetus mm -hmm. to allow each person in the process to to put their best foot forward and build off each other to make it even better as you go yeah. You know, it's funny, the, the, the collected edition that I, that I read, Parable ends and then something called The Enslavers starts after that. Oh, yeah. And, With and that Pollard. was Stanley and Keith Pollard. Yeah. So I read about 10 pages of that. And the difference is like astronomical. Yeah. He's, he, he beds that space babe. I did a whole oh. review on Enslavers. <laughs> it like oh. makes, but it's, like, it is like night and day because like, it's basically, I don't know, Silver Surfer shacking up with some lady because her man can basically beat every single person in the Marvel universe. It's like the weirdest story ever, but like yeah. it is completely different yet stanley yeah. writes the dialogue for that just as he does in for mobius and that's where i'm thinking even with keith pollard which i like his art there was something special about mobius there was something special about the the chance to work with somebody like that that stanley went aha now they're gonna take me seriously as a writer that's what i want i want the great american novel and i'm gonna get it with my space jesus look at him well, yeah, <laughs> you thanks jack you go from beautiful mobius artwork to like not so subtle cameos by carl sagan and like, like just, but but yeah i mean it's it's so so different it's just amazing how same character 
same two characters, Galactus and the Silver Surfer. Galactus and the Silver Surfer are always kind of like Silver Surfer is the thorn in Galactus's side, whether he and he doesn't want to be. That's the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost like whole... Galactus is like, hey, uh, how you doing? It's been a while. Can we can we have a an event? <laughs> right, it, it, but it's the father son dynamic yeah. you know galactus passed his power on to silver surfer they you know we're together then the sun goes and says nah dude like i i don't believe in what you do and i'm gonna go and do my own thing and, and occasionally come back and beat up your other heroes because they're useless or you know bed one of them because nova <laughs> wow she's a hottie Literally. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, J.A., is, like, you do get a different kind of Silver Surfer in, in Stan Lee's written issues versus other writers that write the same character. I, I really do think that. Like, if you compare this to, like, Steve Englehart and you're, you know, you love that uh, second Kree scroll War and he's fighting all the... Uh, not the Eternals. The Etern- they're not the Eternals, they're the... Elders! The elders, elders of the universe. Yes. You know, you get a different kind of flavor with Silver Surfer. In this, again, you get a very, like, pious, very, like, I will protect... Well, I mean, there is the, you know, the, the aspect of his character that always... The space Jesus-y bit, you know, the very pure, moral person. I think what the unfortunate bit of the original run... And what makes sort of the volume three with Steve Englehart started and, you know, ran for 140 some issues is he's good when he's out, of, out in space, because when he's on Earth, it's very much a space Jesus-y, you know, I am so much more powerful than all these humans. They don't understand me. So I'm always fighting against and it, you're setting up religion or you're setting up prejudice or you're setting up, you know, uh, racism. You're setting he, he he becomes you know, the, the mirror to which human society is looked at. And when he was freed from that and you could go out and do other space stories, then the character of the surfer comes out more. I think the surfer on Earth tends to bring out the characters of the people around him. And, but when he travels, then you get to see him fight with his moral compass and him fight with, you know, what it was my place in this universe. And, you know, I was created by Galactus to destroy worlds. And how do I overcome that? And how do I, you know, rectify that and, and make myself whole based on that? Whereas Stan was writing him very much as this, you know, space Jesus shining example and using that as the mirror to which human societal issues are illustrated and elevated whoa that's deep stuff that is as is the as is this book we do mention mobius here and there but but you can't say enough about his work is just unlike anything else that's out there really but then it makes you want to read the other things and we should mention you know things like like the Incal and airtight garage and uh arzak i do have that marvel tales cover where mobius drew morbius yes very good yes but <laughs> I wanted to mention, too, um, so I, I reread this uh, digitally, but before we started the show, I busted out the two issues. And boy, these new digital translations don't do comics from the 80s and 70s and 60s justice. And Mobius, his work just has so much more power to me with the old dot matrix, or I don't know what it was about the color palette, it was just the dots. Like, boy, do I miss that. They mm. smooth that stuff over in the digital collection, but it just looks so much better on older pages. So if you get the chance to find 
the original version. I recommend that over the, the digital things. Yeah, and he was a type of artist that was made to draw a lot of Jack Kirby creations, to be very honest. If you compare, you know, what Jack Kirby created in either Marvel or later on with the New Gods, like characters like Galactus, and then you look at like the Incal and his work on that. I would have loved to see Mobius draw the New Gods. I would love to see him draw Black Racer, Darkseid, or, or Orion, just simply because he does those particular space, cosmic, mystical characters so well. And Galactus is no different in this. Silver Surfer is no different in this. That's his wheelhouse is this kind of sci-fi trippy stuff. And it comes out in spades. That spaceship coming down at the beginning, it's straight out of, obviously, Fifth Element. But then you even go forward, and then you look at, like, Man of Steel. And that visual dictionary that they use is a Mobius-esque quality to them as well. What I love, too, is he's not a slave to consistency, I guess, is what I'm looking to say. Because, like, Galactus, his size is going to vary. Even the art, you know, it's going to vary from page to page, but it just, like... I feel like Mobius just taps into the fluidity that these characters need to tell a great story. Yes. Like he's not hung up on the small details. Like he knows what he's doing. He knows when to make Galactus bigger. He knows when to make him smaller. You know, he knows when Silver Surfer is going to be the size of a fingernail versus the, something that'll fit in it, the palm of his hand. It, he makes it look effortless, but it's just like every choice he's making. It's like, okay, I can dig it. Like well, so good. Well, you do know that Galactus actually doesn't have so much a physical form, but is how people uh, perceive Galactus. So he maybe he's playing into that. Who knows? What we're going to play into is our rating of Silver Surfer Parable, and that will be coming right up after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned. So, so what you're saying is if you're a Fox executive, you see Galactus as a giant cloud of smoke, and that's okay? Wow. Ah! It was awful. It was a cloud of bees. Bees. Hi, this is Sean. This is Nerd Podcast. If you enjoy genuine conversation from two guys who love the subjects that they're talking about, you need to check us out. That's what we specialize in. Honestly, goodness conversation about the things that we love. Give us a listen. We're easy to find. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd on some of your favorite podcast catching apps. Or you can also check out our vlog uh, on YouTube. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd. We're really, really easy to find. Hi, everyone. This is Mark, the DM for Stranger Damies. What is Stranger Damies, you ask? Well, we're just a bunch of first-time D&D players exploring the world of Tal'Dorei 30 years after the events of the Coma Conclave, which was made famous on Critical Role. Join us every week as we roll some dice, make some mistakes, but most importantly, we have fun. New episodes air every Wednesday at strangerdamies.podbean.com or on your favorite podcast streaming app. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at strangerdamies. And is it Wednesday yet? All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings, where we wrap up the Marvel Month with the Marvel Method, which is to give my co-host J.A. Scott, his part of our show to do, which is come up with a rating scale, and then I'll put in the sound effects after he does that. So, J.A., what is our rating scale for Silver Surfer Parable? Surfboards. Hitting a wave? 
hang ten. That's a good sound effect, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, you know wave. wrapped up ironing boards. Yeah. <laughs> Catch you and you're surfing on top of the world. Okay, there you put go. that sound clip in there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go ahead and we'll start off with our guest this time. Oh, We're going to start off with Mikey Wood. He's going to give us how many surfboards he's rating. Oh Silver man, out of, out of four, I'm going to give it like a like a good three, like it, like like or three and a half, or so like close to four. There's just like something missing from making it perfect, perfect. But man, it's so good. I think it's because there wasn't enough of it. Aww. Although it didn't feel rushed. It felt like it was just the right amount for two issues. But I wanted to see more. I think it's the Mobius stuff. I wanted to see more of that. But, um, yeah, man, super good. Okay. Chad? I uh, guess I'm going to go four. I, I think this is two masters of the craft being masterful. And it, was it brief? Yes. But uh, what's that rule in show business? You always want to leave them wanting more? You get yeah. two of the greatest showmen. I think they did their job. All right, J.A., it was your pick. Are you giving it a four? It's four surfboards. I'm catching four waves. Uh, and, you know, I just echo everything that Chad and Mikey said. And one thing that I loved how Mobius did is he rarely used it, but when he did, it was so powerful. The full page, the full page panel. He did it once or twice. And I went back and I had to count them because I, I could have sworn, oh, man, there were so many of them and there weren't. But they were that powerful. They were that memorable, his full-page panels. And I, I'm so jealous of Chad because they must look epic in actual physical form. Some of those beautiful full-page. There's, there's the one in the first issue where Silver Surfer is taking off his bum clothing to reveal that he's the Silver Surfer. And he's <laughs> essentially, you know, putting in his armor on to go fight the battle that he knows he can't win. Man, would that be the greatest, like, opening for a Silver Surfer movie, though, too? Like just that image of him, like in the baseball hat, and the, and oh, it's just so good. Yeah, yeah. And there's that other awesome page where uh, you know Galactus is like a, destroying a building with his eye blasts, and like Silver Surfer is like weaving around, and it's just just missing it, just dodging it, like a again, like a mosquito a, a, about to be swatted away by something you know fifty thousand times its size. It's great stuff. I, I, that's why I'm going to give it a four as well, just simply because, again, on the last comic shop as the host, I try to tell people, here are comic books you can get into the comic book tent. And and this is a great one. You don't need to know who the Silver Surfer is. You just need to know that these characters exist. And most people do. I mean, again, there was that horrible Fox movie. They know that their Silver Surfer is there. They know that Galactus is out there. I mean, hell, half the people that watched the Eternals trailer said, oh, my God, it's Galactus. No, it's not. It's one of the Celestials. Shut up. But I, what I'm saying is you don't even know who these people are. So you can just read the story for what it is. And what you're getting is Stan Lee at his best and Mobius at his best. And these are two titans of the comic book industry. So for two issues, you're in it for a treat. So, yeah, go find it. Read it. The one question I do have for J.A. is, is this the best Silver Surfer story? Or is there a better one out there? If I had to recommend one story that you read, only one, this would probably be it. It's a better telling of the coming of Galactus without the Fantastic Four getting in the way and the ultimate nullifier and a bunch of other stuff that was fun. But... If I'm recommending a Silver Surfer story to an adult, this would definitely be it. You know what mine is? 
Silver Surfer number four, where he fights Thor. That's got the best cover ever, with the John Bushima, and he's flying down, and Thor's about to smack him in the face. Hells yeah! Hells Ooh. yeah! To the end. You're not, not going to go with issue 33, right before all the Thanos stuff starts, when he uh, fights the Impossible Man? <laughs> Oh, that, that's a close second. That's definitely a close second. All right. Well, some other things we love to do is give you other recommendations. Make sure that you check out some of these other Silver Surfer books, but go to your local comic book shop and pick up some of these other books that we're about to talk about. So, yeah, we like to recommend. We like to dust off the long box, try to recommend something that is related to the book we just read. So it's related to Silver Surfer or something that's new and current so if you want to see what's hot off the presses uh something that's out of left field and because mikey's on the show something maybe one of those or all of those an extra book that wasn't supposed to be thrown into your pool pile and just showed up there for some unknown reason so uh as we did with the review why don't we kick to mikey for the recommendation okay well um i am going to be recommending 2005's Defenders series. Uh, it's a mini series. It's called Indefensible, and it's written by J.M. Demadius and Keith Giffen, with art by Kevin McGuire. And uh, if you if you recognize the names, it's because they are the team that uh, did that wonderful Boahaha era of Justice League International with Blue Beetle and, and all that stuff. And uh, so it features um, the defend classic Defenders team: Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange, Hulk, Namor. Probably somebody else. <laughs> and uh, it's fun and it's funny. Uh, it's just an absolute blast of a book. They take that sensibility and they apply it to the Defenders and it's wonderful. So yeah. Anytime you can read Defenders, really good Defenders, you're in for a treat. Whether it's that or the Steve Gerber Defenders, like they're like the Avengers, but you can have fun with them. Like, they're just like, ah, oh, who cares? They're just hanging out together, and you can tell great stories. And I would say anytime you get Giffen and Demetrius telling a story, that's a treat. So yeah. you get doubly treated with that one. Good call, Mikey. All right, Chad, you're up next. What do you got for us this week? Okay, so uh, I, I'm going to go big uh, with this one, since uh, we don't read many Stan Lee books around these parts. I'm going to go with uh, Stan Lee's Amazing Spider-Man. It's a book you may have heard of. Uh no. Yeah, it's it's one I I, I kind of like, but I'm going to recommend Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection number two, Great Responsibility, which was done by Steve Ditko, uh, with Stan Lee providing the words. This collects issues 18 through 38, and the second annual where Spider-Man uh, meets Doctor Strange. And the reason why I'm recommending this one is because it contains the Master Planner Saga, where Spider-Man has uh, gotten Aunt May sick through a blood transfusion and needs Isotope 36. But Dr. Octopus has that isotope somewhere, but he's secretly the Master Planner, and it's just the best Spider-Man story ever. To the point where it's issue 33 that declares it the final chapter. And it's like, how can it be the final chapter if there are 800 some other issues of Spider-Man? But it was deserving of the title just because it was the be-all and end-all Spider-Man story. When the building is collapsed upon him and Spider-Man has that weight that, uh, you know, would crush anyone else. And it's crushing him, but he finds the strength to lift that weight. Oof, it gets me every time. Yeah. Gives me chills. So, but yeah, you can find that in the Epic Collection number two, 
great responsibility. Right. And I and I agree. It's fitting that it's named the final chapter because to be honest, you know, those first 33 issues of Spider-Man where he's just growing up and then at the end he finally takes upon the real responsibility of being Spider-Man, the thing that he's talked about for 33 issues. He finally lifts the weight and says, "Yep, I'm grown up now. I'm I'm an adult." It's like the ultimate coming of age story. Everything else after that, like Invincible and all these other things, they're just plays off of those 33 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. So you owe it to read the original as well as reading something else that kind of was similar in terms of a Marvel prestige format from the 80s. And it's my recommendation, which is The Death of Captain Marvel. And I'm not talking about Captain Marvel Shazam. I'm not talking about Carol Danvers. I'm talking about Marvel, the original Captain Marvel from Marvel, and his story of how he uh, got cancer and ultimately dies, thanks to the both the art and writing of Jim Starlin. And this was a, released as a, a Marvel graphic novel. And so, again, it was similar to Parable in the fact that it was specifically aimed at maybe an older audience. And for years, this book was extremely important to a lot of comic book fans because it was the time in which a superhero died and he stayed dead. In fact, staying dead, like Uncle Ben staying dead, was actually the whole point of the story. Like Captain Marvel... I'll be very honest with his negabands and his cosmic awareness or everything like that. Eh, he punched Thanos in the mouth at one point to save the cosmic cube, but he's a largely forgettable character until his death. Jim Starlin writing him out the way that he did, giving him cancer, giving him the pathos to, you know, basically say, look, there's no cure to this. I'm going to die. And, and a story about, a character with tremendous power that just comes to grips with his own mortality is something that is very, very universal and, and as a result, very, very powerful. And so, you know, all the Marvel Universe shows up to honor him and his passing. It was at the time when Thanos was technically dead or like, you know, he was a statue or some weird stuff. I don't know, whatever. They eventually brought him back. But at the time, he actually... Uh, fights Thanos to the point where he just meets death. And there's a great scene where like death's got this beautiful female face and Captain Marvel says, no, no, I'm ready to see her true face. And then she becomes the skull and he, he takes her hand instead and they walk off him and Thanos into the blinding light and he passes away. And again, it's important because nowadays everybody comes back. It was a time in which characters died, and it was important that they stayed dead. And some characters should. And I'm glad that Captain Marvel has still yet to really come back, because this it would cheapen this particular story. And I, I highly recommend it to all you comic book fans. All right, J.A., you're up with our last recommendation, and I know you got a, a whopper for us. I wanted to first recommend uh, Silver Surfer uh, Black. Because it's just a really great book that's a modern take on Silver Surfer. It was going to be the, the current pick. But then I was told I already recommended that. 
And you've got to understand, there's not a lot of Silver Surfer books out there. He's just, unfortunately, a character that hasn't had a regular comic book about him for a while, with the exception of what I'm about to not recommend. Yes, that's right. This is not a recommendation. This is an anti-recommendation. And that is the Dan Slott Mike Allred Silver Surfer run from 2015 through 2017. They had uh, it ran for 15 issues in 2015, and then they started issue one again in 2016, and that ran 14 issues. And it is horrible. Wow! I love Mike Allred. You will not talk bad about my madman. I'm a I'm a huge Mike Allred fan. It's great if you like Doctor Who. It's wonderful. Dan Slott is a really great writer as long as you're not invested in the character that he's writing about. Yeah, that's right. I think that's what we can all sum up about Dan Slott. I hate his Fantastic Four run. Why? Because I like the Fantastic Four. Chad hates his Amazing Spider-Man run because he likes the Amazing Spider-Man. And again, J.A. hates his Silver Surfer run because he likes Silver Surfer. You know who he should write for? DC. Yeah. Because nobody cares about their characters. Yeah. We, we don't mind. We On that side, we don't mind a little change from time. We don't mind our heroes getting kicked into the dirt periodically. That's fun. But you know Mike Mike Allred's okay, this is so weird. There's something about Mike Allred's artwork that like skeezes me out. Like it (laughs) it gives me like goose pimples and not the good ones. Like it I don't know what it is. It's obviously very well done and and very interesting, but there's something about it that just kind of like nah. I mean, I mean, sure, yeah, a lot of his stuff is just Madman. I look at, like, even his, like, ecstatic, and I'm like, oh, there's Madman, and, or his X-Force, or, or his, what was his, his X-Ray Robot? Was that the new, yeah, new freshness? Yeah, that was the new one. I was like, man, go back to writing Madman, because that was good. <laughs> I don't know. Why do you hate it so much? Just because it's, like, because he has Toomey and Dawn? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it, 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 it's... I mean, everything that I so eloquently spoke about, you know, what the Silver Surfer is meant to be and what to do, that gets all thrown out the window and he's got this girl palling around with him like he's some comedic character with a surfboard and I get maybe, no, I don't get, I don't get what Dan Flop was trying to do. And, and what really angers me, it's not like this is the Fantastic Four. This is Spider-Man, who have book after book after book about them, right? This was the first series of Silver Surfer we got since they canceled, uh, like, this 14-issue run they had back in 2002. And that one was the first one since they canceled the original Volume 3. So we don't get a lot of Silver Surfer comics. Aww the issue that was forwards and backwards and you read through and there's a thing in the middle and you're like wait a minute which way do i hold it yeah yeah the mobius stuff that was aldrin's like that i was like aldrin should get the eisner just for that issue it's so good ah i i can agree though everybody's got their slot across the bear i love his iron man but i don't give a shit about iron man so he (laughs) he can write that till the cows come home i bet his red and simpy was really good i (laughs) 
And what we hope you always think is good is The Last Comic Shop. We're here for you every single week. Even though it's the end of our Marvel month, we've got fantastic books coming up. It's October, right around the corner. And we've got books like Once in Future, My Favorite Thing is Monsters. Heck, we've even got Dune, House of Trades, all coming up in, in future weeks. So make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe by going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific website where you can find all the links to places like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Podcasts, and a variety of other places. And if you love us, leave us that five-star review. Do it. Do it because I'm Galactus, and I told you that it's lawlessness and that you should leave five-star reviews. Listen to my words. I am the strong man. <laughs> so speaks Galactus. Although he said, so speak, Galactus, that threw me. Yeah, that threw me too. <laughs> Must have been lost in the translation. But what's not lost in the translation is our social media coverage, where you can find us uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Last Comic Shop or on Facebook at Last Comic Shop Podcast. And if you get confused, you can always just head to the website, uh, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, and find us there. What else can you find there, J.A.? On our website, you can find links to our merch store where we've got specials on board shorts this week. That's right. To go with your favorite surfboard, some last comic shop board shorts and T-shirts in all different colors. Yeah, not only just your surfboards, but your ironing boards. They're the same thing. You can ride those, too. (laughs) And while we may be surfing around on our ironing boards... As the last comic shop podcast, we don't want to be the actual last comic shop. So we encourage everybody to find a comic shop near you. Need help with that? Go to the comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com where you could maybe find a place that has Silver Surfer Parable. Or you could find The Defenders by Giffen and DeMatties. You could find Amazing Spider-Man, the Epic Collection number two and Epic Collection number one and a lot of other good Amazing Spider-Man. You could find The Death of Captain Marvel. All of that and more is waiting for you at your local comic shop. So look them up and uh, buy some comics. Yeah. And also, you should buy some comic books online. Our tremendous co-host today has been Mikey Wood, and he is a Pittsburgh-based comic book artist and creator. Mikey, where can they find your awesome stuff today? Well, you can order uh, two of my graphic novels off of Amazon. Uh, they are Hate Your Friends with the wonderful Kristen Blank writing and Pack of Lies, uh, which is written by me with art by uh, a ton of Pittsburgh artists, as well as El Phantasma versus the Spider Women, which was a uh, web strip that I did, a weekly web strip on, uh, on graphite.com. And I'm getting ready to start again because I keep saying that and I mean it. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, and until next week, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Jay Scott, Chad Smith, and the incomparable Mikey Wood. And until next week, stay safe, stay sheltered, and in the immortal words of Stan Lee, enough said. The last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.